Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. And welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about full family care. But before we jump into that question, I want to take a moment and remind you of PeaceWorks University. You know, PeaceWorks University is our online membership community. And if you are benefiting from the things you're learning here on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is your best next step. You can learn more about PeaceWorks University by visiting our website, chrismoles.org. All right, so today's question revolves around family care. The concept here being that there are multiple folks within a family structure that are affected by abuse. So let me read the question. How can an intervention thoroughly address all family relationships, not just the abuser's relationship with his spouse? That's the first part of the question. Then there is a second in which the questioner um goes on and elaborates. A man's use of coercive control in the home should be confronted, not only in regards to his wife, but in the ways his attitudes and behaviors have been aimed at and normalized among other family members, especially the children. So the questioner comes up with a, a good question, elaborates a little bit kind of to let us know, you know, their heart and mind on the subject. So let's start with this first part of the question. How can an intervention thoroughly address family relationships? And I think in part, it can patiently uh, through planning and through conversations. And I say patiently because, and this will um, lean in a little bit to the questioner's elaboration. I, I think in any intervention, there is the ideal really what we're striving for, and then there is the real, what what is available to us. And while I agree with the questioner's heart that uh, the abuse has affected multiple family members um, and that the abuse should be confronted in a way that there's healing and opportunity provided for all family members, I think it's important to note that, that is a, it is a large job and a very large ask to confront an abusive person. And then once that happens, it is a significant task to maneuver and establish grounds and means by which repentance and subsequent forgiveness can be uh, found and rebuilding of trust and relationships. And while it is important that, that all affected relationships be addressed, I think it is most important right? That the targets of the abuse uh, and the ways in which an individual has abused be addressed first. And here's what I mean by that. Let me put it kind of in a story dynamic. So one partner, um, he has abused his wife, let's say. Uh, They have children together. But in the course of that, she has decided to live with her parents and the abuse has impacted them. Um, and there has been, you know, manipulation and coercion directed at the parents. And there's been desperation that presents itself in anger and frustration and rage 
that's been experienced by her siblings, perhaps, that are associated still with mom and dad and so on. Um, there have been others that have been affected, um, not just the children, the grandparents at this point, uh, aunts and uncles, but the church family, the pastor, the small group leader. Uh, if law enforcement has been involved, then police have been involved, and neighbors have been involved, and there probably is a place, and I don't want to diminish the, the, the question, I, there probably is a place in his healing process, in his redemptive process, to make amends with each of those parties. What I'm going to suggest is it is difficult at this point for him to see and acknowledge and admit to the abuse perpetrated against his wife and the effects that it has on his children. So I would recommend being patient with the reconciliation process that occurs outside of that smallest circle. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I am saying that it doesn't seem to happen simultaneously. It tends to happen sequentially, and it tends to happen over time with greater realization. And so all that to say is if an abusive individual doesn't recognize the way in which their patterns inconvenienced or even affected uh, your parents or your siblings, that that should happen over time, but it probably isn't um, the first domino. And we can be patient with that as it is most pressing that he acknowledge the direct ways in which he has harmed you, harmed your children, and then the ways in which that harm has spilled over into others. And while, again, I don't mean to minimize, I think what we're talking about is prioritize what has happened and what now needs to happen. And so in order to do that thoroughly, I think you start with the direct victim of the abuse, providing healing, safety, sanity, protection for that individual. In this case, the little story that I've concocted, it would be the wife and the children become the primary um, individuals that we are um, working with. And the, in the area of confronting the abuser, we're really dedicated to seeing uh, him own the ways in which he has sinned against them. Now, here's the hope. So I, I think part of the process of learning how to identify the ways in which you've sinned against your partner, the ways in which you've sinned against your children, should provide good filters and practice and established protocol and thinking that should allow you then to find those same patterns in how you've treated others. So I, I used to used to say this to some of the criminal groups we used to work with. We used to talk about emergency procedures. And so we knew that the men that we worked with would often have great temptations to reoffend in a variety of ways. And many of them lacked some of the capacity or skills needed to provide self-direction. And so what I mean by that, there was just a real lack of maturity. And so we would teach emergency procedures. One would be a proper timeout. Like, 
how you remove yourself from a situation where you may be getting volatile, where you may become a threat to other people. And we would always preface it with this notion that this emergency procedure that we're going to teach you, this is to help you now. But maturity, as you mature and grow and become um, more apt to understanding what you're doing and, and how you're affecting other people, you should you should be able to no longer need this. You should be able to be in a situation where you are uncomfortable and you do not violate someone else. That is really part of the goal, is that you do not uh, um, immediately take yourself to a place where you're harming others. And so the emergency procedure, the the little trick or the tactic or the agreed upon, you know, system of removing oneself from a circumstance was not a solution. It was merely a treatment of a of an immediate problem. But eventually, uh, you should be maturing into a state where you will re- be uncomfortable but can remain under control. Once you recognize that, meaning once you recognize what's happening in your own body and your own thoughts and your own worldview, and you can begin to stop, right, and and set aside your desires for what is better, then you can do that in new and different situations. And I think the same is true here, that when you learn how to properly interact with your spouse, when abuse is abandoned, then some of the other things that have isolated uh, your other family members or perhaps have ostracized you as an abusive person from uh, other relatives in the home, those can be addressed properly. But uh, the first, most pressing issue is that the abuse stop, that it be recognized, that it be confessed, repented, turned from, and transformation be embraced. I think only then can you in good faith goes, go to these outer circles and begin to make amends. And so I really see this very much sequentially although it could happen simultaneously. I'm not saying that um, there has never been a case where an individual has come to their senses and been able to make amends across the board. My experience would be that typically it's sequential. As I see the abuse and the harm that I've caused, as I see the way it's negatively affected my children and my family, as I interact now with other family members, other members of the community and, and the church and my neighborhood, I can then begin to find ways to make amends and reconcile. Um, We're not denying the heart of the question that a man's use of coercive control should be confronted. It should be. Um, It should be confronted in the variety of ways in which it has impacted others. Uh, Again, I'm just suggesting that it happens sequentially. And I think if we, again, it is hard enough to seek repentance. I think if we are looking for a full orbed response uh, from an individual that is more than likely defensive, reluctant, resisted, uh, resistive, or even hostile, um, then it's going to be very disappointing. Uh, but we can find encouragement in step-by-step kind of procedurally recognizing those things and then giving them the opportunity to succeed by saying, okay, now that we have walk through this and we've done a little bit of hand-holding to see, to own, to hate, and to turn, what other areas of your life can you apply the same pattern? 
and to invite them into self-reflection that could go, well, you know, this has really negatively affected my in-laws. And I think now I see that my behavior has not only inconvenienced them, but it has uh, in some ways really tortured them as they've tried to care for their daughter. And I want to take responsibility for that because I hate the thought that I have caused them this much pain. And so I want to make amends and look for a way to turn from that and to produce something positive. I mean, if you can get that type of conversation from self-reflection, right, that, that's a huge win. It, it's one thing to hold someone's hand through the process and get a desired outcome. It's another to give someone the tools and the space and the avenues by which they, by which they can come to these conclusions themselves, make these decisions themselves, and then practice these things themselves. That's where the real wins come in. Uh, in order to do that thoroughly, let's go back to the first part of the question. I think you, you have to address again, the abuse effectively and really drill down to what you did, the ways in which you harmed your partner uh, and your children, what you wanted in each of those cases in which you harmed your, your partner or your children, what was the desire of your heart? What is it that you were hoping would happen? What is it that you hoped she would do? What is you hope that she would not do? Um, how did this behavior benefit you? Then really understanding the impact. In what ways uh, did my behavior affect my partner? Um, and and to, to really challenge some ideas that are out there, we're not asking him to come up with, you know, just subjective how I think it affected her, but really contemplating the things that he has observed. Like, well, it scared her. How did you know? She had a fearful look on her face. Well, that's an observable reality. What else? I think it caused a great deal of anxiety. How do you know? Well, because she would worry about A, B, C, and D. That's an observable reality. What other ways did it affect your partner? Well, it created some health concerns as, you know, this action caused or contributed to uh, an existing health problem or what have you. Um, it caused my children to, um, to, to not trust me or be afraid of me. How do you know? Well, this is the instance. Really building out that impact then to say, okay, now we know what we did, the patterns and the ways in which we've harmed our partner. Now we know why we did it, the motivations and desires of our heart. We know the ways in which it has affected them. Now how do we respond to that? And then being able to talk through that it's not just enough to have new good behaviors. It's not just enough to have better circumstances and outcomes and consequences. It really is a matter of the heart as we unpack and uproot the heart of pride and replace it with the concepts of humility in the mind of Christ so that we're producing better motivations, more godly motivations that are then leading to behavior that are empowering, uh, edifying, and no longer destructive. And so really tackling that thoroughly and well in proper accountability and education, things like what we try to do in Men of Peace, I think thoroughly then allows us to introduce other components, what we might call collateral damage uh, to the model to say who else was affected. This is how you affected your partner, but was anyone else affected? Yeah, my children. What about anyone else? Yeah, my in-laws. How were they affected? Well, they were affected in the following way. 
you know, my pastor, how so? Well, you know, I called him at three in the morning and, um, who else? Well, you know, the law enforcement officer down the road and, and the list can go on and on and on. And I think we'll get there if we thoroughly affect the, the centermost circle, we'll start to see a ripple effect as individuals recognize the benefit of redemption, the benefit of repentance, uh, and the benefit of making restitution. So I hope that helps. I think uh, in addition to addressing it thoroughly with the abuser, I think we can set proper expectations with family members, boundaries. We can create support groups for family members so that they can have uh, places where they can safely discuss what they're experiencing without burdening their um, the victim in their life that is suffering and without harming the perpetrator in their life that they are hoping will will find redemption or um or some kind of punitive response, depending on what's warranted. So we can do that as well. I think um, we can empower family members and and those that are caregivers to do their work well through education. So definitely want to provide care for everyone involved. But when it comes to direct repentance, direct restitution, and the abuser's self-awareness, I think we want to take that sequentially uh, and do that as thoroughly as possible, beginning with ownership, seeing, owning, hating, and turning. All right, I hope that was helpful, guys. We may unpack some more of that in a future episode. I appreciate y'all so much, everybody who's part of the PeaceWorks podcast. It means a great deal to us. If you are benefiting from this, don't forget to check out PeaceWorks University. I really do believe that's your next best step. And of course, if you uh, appreciate the PeaceWorks podcast, let the world know whatever platform you're listening on, rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever it takes to let them know that you value the PeaceWorks podcast. Thanks again, friends. Until next time, God bless.